Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is, episode 93 for the love of the game, let's work. Welcome back, episode 93 for the love of the game. It's your boy ATH back at it, taking a bit of a break from NFL Sunday because there is a lot to discuss. Uh, and actually, uh, the Giants got themselves a nice win today against the Eagles, which is shocking. The fact that they're three and seven and they may win the division, but whatever. We're not talking NFL tonight because this show is going to be centered around the NBA because the draft is this week, Wednesday night to be exact. And this offseason is going to be a little crazy. Just to recap a little bit what the upcoming NBA season is going to look like. So December 22nd is the start date. We've got a 72-game season. There will be no bubble until maybe the playoffs, depending on how things are going with the coronavirus. This way, the owners locked in enough games to satisfy the TV networks, the RSN networks, and they won't be losing an additional up to $1 billion of revenue on top of what they're already losing at the gate without fans. Now, Will there be fans at any point this season? This is kind of to be determined. In theory, states that are more open should be able to host fans like Miami, Orlando, Houston, uh, Detroit, Dallas. They should all have some fans. Now, I don't know what this is going to look like potentially from a revenue sharing, sharing perspective, but whatever. Who knows? I mean, if I was Mickey Aronson, the owner of the Miami Heat, I would tell James Dolan to go shove it if he asked for a piece of my uh, ticket revenue because it's not his fault that Governor Cuomo won't allow 25% capacity in Madison Square Garden. But hey, who knows what that's going to look like? I sure as hell don't know yet. Uh, I don't think it's really been announced. But yeah, so that's basically the parameters of what we're looking like right now. Uh, trade season has basically opened up. It officially opens up tomorrow where things can be ratified at around noon. It's coming before the draft this year. And with the salary cap slated to be $109 million, it's about to get crazy. And training camps are opening up in just under three weeks. So naturally, the rumor mill is starting and it's starting to get hot. So let's discuss a few rumors. And let's begin with my favorite current dumpster fire a team that I love to watch their demise, the Houston Rockets. Well, Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. So to recap, Houston traded Chris Paul and two first-round picks for Russell Westbrook. And now Westbrook wants out, and Chris Paul was second-team All-NBA last year. Not great. Not looking great for Houston. And shocking that someone wants to get out of a situation after playing with James Harden for a year because, of course, because – no one likes to play with James Harden, considering all they do is just stand around, watch him dribble, jack up terrible threes, and then get blamed for it when they when he shits the bed in the playoffs. But of course, uh, so let's dive into this Westbrook thing a little deeper. So what's realistic in terms of a trade partner and what does Westbrook absolutely want in his next situation? 
Well, he's 32 years old. He seems to have lost the ability to make threes. He's still almost as athletic as ever, yet has had uh, a couple of different knee injuries, a couple of different knee ailments lately over the last couple of years. He plays as hard as ever, but he's owed $144 million over the next three years, I believe, something like that. It's a crazy number, just a gross contract. And Westbrook seems to want the ball in his hands constantly. He wants to do Russell Westbrook stuff. He wants to have a higher usage. That's shown mixed results, to put it mildly at best, in the playoffs. So who are the teams that come to mind uh, that would be mentioned in a possible trade for Russell Westbrook that can take on that money? Well, the Charlotte Hornets. They have cap space. They will never attract a star unless they get one in the draft. They need real juice that their fans can be excited about. And maybe they're content chasing the eighth seed. Who knows? But does Russell Westbrook really want that? I mean, he can do Russ ball in Charlotte. Who knows? I don't know if I'm uh, if I'm Charlotte or if I'm Russell Westbrook. I necessarily want this. Orlando, same kind of deal as Charlotte. Need a little juice. Things have gotten stale in Orlando. They can definitely make the money work. They haven't been able to attract a star since Dwight Howard left. But again, it's a seventh and eighth seed in the East. Now the Clippers are trade around Paul George and some other assets. I actually kind of like the fit with the Clippers. The Clippers need another ball handler who can create their own shot, who can create shots for others. And the Clippers would be a title contender. It'd be a really interesting fit there. I actually like this fit the best. And then there's the Knicks. Knicks have the cap space. They may want a star, won't have to give up a lot of assets to get them. But as a Knicks fan and a Russ apologist, I'd really rather the Knicks not do this. It's just not the right situation for the Knicks. It's not the right situation for Russ. If they're going to be trading for an older point guard, I'd rather Chris Paul in this spot. He can shoot it a little better. I think he's better in terms of mentoring young players with uh, Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett. I mean, Russell Westbrook did turn Victor Oladipo into an all-NBA player, as uh, Victor Oladipo has said multiple times, but I don't know. I don't really want Westbrook on the Knicks, but the Knicks will probably do this and I'll complain about it. And then I'll talk myself into it. And when it doesn't go well, I'll be really mad about it and bitch about it constantly. That's just the way this is probably going to work. So Knicks, let's, let's focus our efforts somewhere else. So that leaves the question. Now that Westbrook wants out, what about James Harden? I mean, he said that he's committed to the Rockets, but then there's this rumor that is picking up some steam of him being traded to the Brooklyn Nets. And oh boy, do I love this. The package would be centered around Karis LeVert, Spencer Dimwitty, Jared Allen, and some picks. I'll say this, if it happens, I will never hate another pro team as much as I would hate that Nets team. I mean, my God, a team with Kyrie Irving and James Harden with the second-class Brooklyn Nets Oh, I would hate this team with the heat of a thousand suns. Oh, man, would I relish in this sports hate if this happens. And honestly, I kind of want it to happen because when this combo inevitably shits themselves in the playoffs and combusts, I would enjoy watching their failure so, so, so very much. To quote the great Silky Johnson from the Player Haters Ball. I hate you, I hate you, I don't even know you, and I hate your guts. 
That's my feelings for all the five Nets fans at the moment if this happens. That hate, keep in mind, sports hate will ratchet up times a thousand. The thought of the videos on Instagram of Kyrie Irving and James Harden practicing one-legged threes and then them shitting themselves in the playoffs. Ah, it's just beautiful. It's so beautiful. It could be so glorious. Bring this on so I can hate this with all my heart. And if they ever played the Lakers in a final series, I would openly root for the Lakers. I would do everything short of buying myself a LeBron James Lakers jersey. That is how much I would despise this potential Nets team. Ah, I, I can't. I hope it happens. I really hope it happens so I can hate like no other. Let the hate wash over you like a nice mist. Ah, it would be beautiful. And then there's going to be Chris Paul rumors, possibly to Milwaukee, possibly to Philly, possibly the Clippers, possibly the New York Knicks. Who knows? You can't rule the Miami Heat out in a potential Chris Paul trade either. And then it looks like Dennis Schroeder will be traded to the Lakers for Danny Green, the 28th pick. I think this is a great trade by the Lakers uh, there. I said something nice about the Lakers. So yeah, things are heating up in a big, big way in the NBA. The rumor mill is hot. The hot stove is getting even hotter. And with that said, it's time to bring in a recurring guest to talk about the NBA draft in just a moment. Okay, so I teased it a little bit earlier, uh, bringing back a recurring guest, somebody who I actually found on Twitter because of his uh, NBA draft tweets. Uh, Got to bring him back. This is his expertise, and considering this year, I know way less about this year's draft than I would normally. Uh, Mr. Aaron Perlstein's back. Aaron, what's going on, man? Taking a break hey. from a football Sunday. What's good? Nothing. How are you? Uh, glad to be back. Can't complain. Can't complain. I needed a palate cleanser from NFL Sunday, even though it looks like the Giants may actually win the, the NFC East, which is weird because considering <laughs> they'll be three and seven, but who cares? It's uh, NBA draft season. So wanted to have you on um, because I need to be a little bit educated in terms of what's going on here. So my first question is, uh, we, we have a presumed top three in this draft. You've got LaMelo Ball. We've got Anthony Edwards. We've got James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. So why do I have a sinking feeling that neither of these guys are going to be very good and that this year it's better to have a lower pick in the first round than one of the top three picks? Well, I mean, I don't know if I would agree with that. I think, you know, we've been, we've become a little, you know, starved for that Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, one, two, you know, two foundational players that you could, uh, you know, build a whole team around, you know, and not every draft's like that. You know, we've had, we've had multiple ones of those drafts in the last five, six years. Um, but this draft is, it's, it's a little different, but I wouldn't say that um, they're not going to pan out. I mean, LaMelo Ball is one of the smartest uh, players coming into the NBA that I've seen in a long time, you know, six, seven, 190 point guard, um, you know, has all the characteristics you want in a point guard that can play make and things like that. Um, you know, obviously, he has the baggage every ball player comes into the league with, but I think he is the best player in this uh, class, hands down. Um, and then Anthony Edwards, you know, obviously there's a real good chance that he doesn't really pan out the way people think he'll pan out. Um, you know, he can 100% be an Andrew Wiggins, Dion Le- Dion Waiters guy. You know, he <sighs> he shoots he shoots the ball efficiently. Um, you know, he can score with all the best of them. But the question is, what else can he, you know? fit into his game is it playmaking is it defense uh, that's the question what else will he do 
Uh, you know, you don't want to take the first pick and just pick a guy that's going to draft, that's going to score 17 on 45% shooting. What's going to that do for you? And then James Wiseman, I mean, the guy's a manimal, 7-1. But the problem is we had a, such a small sample size, uh, three games in college. And, you know, in high school, obviously, he was a he was a, <clears throat> a force to be reckoned with. But, you know, everyone is in high school. Um, but, you know, it seems like he's put on weight. Uh, and, you know, Golden State seems like just a great place to put him. Uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a smart player and, uh, you know, he has to work on, you know, spacing the floor and things like that. But all three of those guys can definitely help teams. Um, I just don't think, you know, I think people have become starved for this Zion Williams at the number one. Well, so hold that thought about where, you know, Wiseman fits best because we're going to go into that in a second. But I, mm-hmm. I want to talk about LaMelo Ball for a second. Obviously, he's got the uh, the crazy dad to deal with. Um, his shot selection is iffy at best. He, uh, has basically been catered to where he's allowed to basically do whatever he wants, right? He's been Mm -hmm. allowed to do whatever he wants on the basketball court, pull up from 30, do all these things. From what I hear, he's a brilliant passer, but doesn't play a lick of defense. Uh, I've heard from guys like Kevin O'Connor that he might drop. I've been hearing from like Chad Ford that he's easily going to be the number one pick. Uh, if you have the number one pick for the Wolves, mm-hmm. would you want LaMelo Ball considering where, you know, what else you have in place, specifically Carl Anthony Towns and um, and what's his name? And uh, D'Angelo Russell. Russell, who don't really play a lot of defense. Do you like the fit there? And, and do you, would you take ball number one? Yeah, so uh, no doubt I would take ball number one, um, you know. As much as all those NBA Twitter guys and, you know, analysts on t- uh, online can compila- create a compilation of bad passes and wait the times when LaMelo Ball is not playing defense or seems like he's trying to do an extra thing, you know, you can do that for any prospect. Um, you can create a compilation of videos of two hours long of Anthony Edwards not playing defense or things like that. Um, and no doubt to me, LaMelo Ball is the best player in this class. Um, and No you know, doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Um, okay. You know, he sees he sees uh, plays way ahead of everyone else on the court. His finishing ability, his playmaking, it's way above a lot of other people in this class. Um, you know, 6'7", 190 as a point guard. Doesn't get much better than that in this kind of, uh, you know, positionless basketball. And then on top of that, I mean, what's become in this, this draft? Everyone's so athletic. Everyone, these athletes are so different than what they were eight years ago that you, dra- you draft the best player available and then you figure it out. Um, and, you know, passing on LaMelo Ball for someone like Anthony Edwards or trading away the pick, um, it doesn't make sense to me. D'Angelo Russell should not be the reason you're passing up on the best player in the class. You know, I understand, like, fit, and you have a point guard, you just traded for him and things like that. If he was better, it would be different, but D'Angelo Russell is not a reason that you, you don't take him. So it doesn't worry you that if he doesn't have the ball in his hands that he's completely useless, right? Yeah, I mean, I because I disagree with that. I think, uh, you know, he, he shot the ball pretty pretty well. Uh, you know, he was – like a lot of people, we, you know, we, we, we underreact to playing overseas and playing with um, professional basketball players. You know, people didn't like Luka. People didn't like – um, <clears throat> well, not, not everybody. Hold on. I was yeah. on record saying I yeah. liked Luca a lot. I just no, don't like course. LaMelo Ball. He makes no, me so nervous. 
Yeah, I mean, and I get why, but at the same time, the kid, he sees the ball, he sees the court so well. He sees it just like Luca did. And I'm not going to say he's going to be Luca at all, but he, you know, I, I think it's a very wide margin in IQ and just potential wise in this class. Talk to me about Wiseman for a second. Obviously, yep. Wiseman has has been lauded the best big in the draft. Um, for a while, he was, you know, the the clear cut number one pick uh, going into this year's draft. Obviously, only played three games for Memphis. Um, you know, all the physical tools are there, mm-hmm. um, but it just it screams Kwame Brown. It screams mm-hmm. Kwame Brown to me, uh, unless he's in the right situation. Uh, there, there have been, you know, people who are super high in Wiseman. There are also people who are like, the effort thing was a thing in high school where you thought that he should be dominating certain guys in high school, and he just didn't. And obviously, the Memphis thing wasn't a whole lot. Like, talk to me about Wiseman. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, people are expecting these players, like I said, to be uh people are expecting Wiseman to be a 30 15 65 percent field in the uh, percent in the paint guy and I just don't think that's who he is you know he's someone that will come in and be productive average a double double I mean he's 7-1 he's a 7-6 wingspan um you know he's shown that he can space the floor a little bit he'll definitely have to work on it a lot um but I think that's what you're getting from him And I think the reason is these expectations that people have set for these athletes are too high. And I don't like, I I think he's going to be a productive player, a player that might make a few all-stars, all-star years. But other than that, I mean, you're not getting a Shaquille O'Neal. You're not getting (laughs) like someone like that. Um, But I also don't think you're getting a Kwame Brown. You know, he's someone that can come in, produce, be a force down low. um, Someone that could space the floor. Um, and that's that's what you have to see in him. So when you say that that you don't think you're getting Kwame Brown, are you saying that he's good enough to transcend whatever situation he's in? Like, for example, if he ends up with Charlotte, right? Charlotte really wants him from everything mm-hmm. that I've read or for the little I've read. Do you think that in Charlotte he can succeed when Charlotte really has nothing else going on with the expectations because odds are Charlotte's going to have to trade up to get him at number one. That's what they're going to have to do. So with the expectation of him being the number one pick in Charlotte, you think he's good enough to succeed uh, in that situation and overcome that hype? Because I don't know. That's Yeah, that's I mean, I think, definitely, I think he definitely needs some shot creators around him. Uh, you know, maybe Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier probably doesn't cut it. Um, but I think we're just – people are overreacting to, you know, he, he's still a young kid. Um, you know, he's going to need a shot. He's going to need uh, to really refine his like freakish abilities in the paint, but I don't see him as someone that's going to come in and just, you know, have a problem right away. I think he's someone that can come in, you know, produce efficiently, but not to the expectations people have set for him. The people that love him have too high expectations. So with these three guys, where is the best fit for each of them, for them to really have a chance to maximize their potential? Because as we all know, situation matters, right? There are very few guys who can, who can transcend situation, especially early on in their careers. So for Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman, give me the best situation for each of them. 
LaMelo Ball, if, you know, we're talking best situation, not, you know, draft pick or anything like that. I mean, Charlotte's a great place. You know, they're a restart. LaMelo will have the ball in his hands countless times. Uh, you know, they really pass the uh, franchise over to him. And I think that's where he'll definitely succeed. Uh, James Wiseman, I mean, Golden State makes so much sense. Uh, you know, like I said, he needs shot creators around him. He really, uh, light, I mean, he didn't play anyone hard in, in the three games he played for Memphis. But having Precious Achiwa, Boogie Ellis, those guys around him that can make their own shots, um, that really helped him. Um, and I think, you know, you, you have there's not much pressure when you're playing with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins. Um, so that would be a great place for him. And then Anthony Edwards, I actually think the best place for him is Chicago. Um, really? I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's the same thing. It's the expectations, you know. Uh, you get to play with Kobe White, Zach Levine. You're not being told you need to score this much amount when you get into the league. You're not being told, you know, you're the foundational guy. You, we just want you to get in here to produce, to learn, and to become what you're able to become. It's interesting you say that. The, uh, the one place where, you know, obviously Wiseman to Golden State, if they don't trade the pick, to me makes the most sense because you have a good organization, a good culture. They're not going to let him just BS and lollygag around and be lazy because Draymond Green will be in his ass and he won't be able to be lazy, get the best out of him. And he'll have no pressure to do anything that, that's outside of his immediate skill set to start, right? Because you have Steph, you've got Clay, you got Draymond. We'll see what happens with the Wiggins contract. Who knows what that's going to be? But there's just – they're pros there. Like, that's a winning pedigree. And for him, it seems to me that he needs that the most. And for his career, I hope he ends up in Golden State. LaMelo, I would say Charlotte. But even that, I just don't – I just don't think Charlotte's going to ever win anything with, with – with that. I mean, I, I just, but he'll definitely be able to take his lumps there. And Edwards, I actually don't mind the fit in Minnesota for Edwards. Uh, I know there's a little redundancy, but you're not going to not take Edwards uh, because Jarrett Culver is there. Like, I don't think that's happening. Um, my fear with Edwards is like everybody else's fear with Edwards is he shot terribly from three in college. Now, granted, he was on a bad Georgia team that played meaningless games. So who right. knows, but you know, Minnesota doesn't need more non shooters. They, they need guys who can make threes. Uh, so, right. But I think, I think you said it best, you know, uh, you look at that usage rate and then you look at those go-go percentages. That's what I do. I, I, I like to look at the usage rate right away. And I mean, it's skyrocket. Uh, what that kid put, was put through in Georgia. So you mentioned the Bulls for Edwards. So let's jump right there for a second. Uh, you're a Chicago Bulls fan. Yeah. Uh, where do you want them to go in the draft? I, I obviously hear from what you just said that you would love for them to trade up for Edwards. How realistic is that? If not yeah. doing that, where do you think they're going to go? What do you think they'll do? What would you want them to do if not trading up to get a guy like Anthony Edwards? Yeah, I mean, for the countless sources and things like that that I've heard, Chicago's been silent. Uh, I think it's a new front office, things like that. They just not letting really anything get out. Um, and I think they're in a perfect position to just get someone that um, just falls out of the top three. Uh, I could tell you right now, I'm pretty confident in uh, my top 10 based on what I've heard from a lot of people. We'll, we'll get uh, to that in a second. Hold right. that thought. Um, but I'm saying, I think there is a very good chance Anthony Edwards can fall. Um, I think it's a pretty high probability actually. Um, and then you're left with the decision of Anthony Edwards, Obi, Denny, and any of those, 
any of those guys can fit. Um, you know, you take that three position next to Zach Levine and Kobe White, uh, you help with the playmaking and somewhat because Kobe White's not really a good point guard in a sense. He's a really good off guard shooting guard. Um, and then you see, I mean, somewhat bringing in someone like that could mean the demise of Zach Levine's tenure in Chicago, 100%. Um, someone you like Dallas. So, you don't seem so upset by this because the Zach Levine that era I, has really uh, resulted in a lot of wins. Yeah, it's not that I'm upset about it. It's that I like these guys, and I think we need a young core, and I think Zach Levine, if it, if it, if it entails bring, bringing back some young pieces and some draft selections, uh, it could definitely help a lot. Um, but those guys, you know, they'll have a good plethora of decisions at four, and uh, any way that they see fit, you know, we'll see. I mean, I like Edwards more than OB and Denny, but it could fit. It could work. So let me ask you this. A rumor that I've heard regarding the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them trading for the number two pick, them trading Wendell Carter. Okay. Uh, and stuff, right. I think. I personally still like Wendell Carter. I think mm-hmm. he's I think he's good. Um, I think he would thrive in Golden State, I think that would be a great trade for Golden State. What say you about uh, trading the two pick for Wendell Carter? Uh, and and other things. Yeah, that's no, I I don't see any of that happening. I mean, I could tell you right now, top three is basically set in stone, um, and everyone knows that it's gonna be. It's most likely gonna be Lamelo, James Wiseman, and Yeka Kongu from USC. Oh, okay. Um, All right, a little teaser to the next segment. Okay. Yes. Um, and I think Chicago knows that. And I think when you're giving – when LaMelo's off the board, you don't want one of those guys. And Wendell, um, you know, he's going into his contract year. Um, you know, if you look at his statistics, he really isn't far behind players like uh, DeMontis Sabonis, uh, Vucevic. Uh, even Bam Adebayo per 36 is very close. It's very um, consistent. Uh, he has a better offensive rebound percentage, defensive rebound percentage, total rebound percentage than a lot of these guys. A great rim protector, 85th percentile, um, and I think it's it, those are baseless rumors. I, I, they would need a lot less to move up two picks at Wendell, and uh, but I also don't see it happen. Let's shift gears for a second. I'm a distraught Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very sad on a year-to-year basis about the Knicks. <laughs> uh, the Knicks have the eighth pick, which is actually a spot considering I don't trust the top three whatsoever that we just mentioned. I actually right. think this spot is a lot better. This right. this draft, from the little that I know, to me resembles the 2013 draft, where Giannis won 15th and CJ McCollum won 10th, and Victor Oladipo turned into a real player later on. So we'll see. So I'm going to give you a list of guards because Lord knows the Knicks need guards. Right. Um, I'm going to give you a list of five guards. Tyrese Maxey, Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrell Terry, R.J. Hampton. Okay. Who should Nick fans want the most at eight? You know, a lot of those guys can come and produce. You know, it's, it's really throwing darts at a wall there. Um, but I love Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he's someone that uh, can shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, he, but uh, the big thing people don't talk about is he's an unbelievable defender. 90th percentile in isolation defense at Kentucky. 64th in pick and roll defense. At uh, 6'3", he's laterally quick. Uh, he can come in and he just, he's one of the, probably a top five most skilled player in this class. Um, really? Know, so why, so hold on. So then why is he so low on draft boards? Yeah, he didn't shoot. I mean, he didn't really shoot the ball well. Like if you're looking just purely at uh, statistics, he didn't shoot it well at Kentucky. 
he didn't really involve himself in the offense as much. You know, it really was Emmanuel Quickly's offense, um, which is the, a guard next to him. Um, and people are concerned about that. But I really see someone that can come in, um, shoot the ball well, play defense, and just be a team player, um, someone like that. But, you know, at that point at eight, if Halley is there, Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, he's a great player too. But that's a different position. You know, if you're, if you're determined to have Frank, uh, the Frank the Tank, you know, play and be your foundational point guard, which a lot they're of the not. Fans want. They're not. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not that's not in the cards. Right. Um, Halliburton is someone that you could easily slide next to him. Uh, he's he's an efficient scorer. He's someone that, in in opposition of what I said about Tyrus Maxey, is the field goal percentage, the three point percentage was there in Iowa State. He was able to finish at the court, the basket. The thing that isn't there is the defense. Um, it's it wasn't good. Um, you know, he, he's only six, he's six, five, 175. So he's fragile. seems like he can be pushed around easily at that two position, but you put him next to Frank, you get an efficient scorer and you get someone that can work on his defense and things like that. Um, you know, all the other guys though, RJ Hampton, I mean, six, five, 188. Um, you know, a lot of people see a lot of Russell Westbrook in him, actually. Um, someone that could play make, uh, he could jump, he can jump out of the gym. Uh, he, he obviously played overseas in Australia. He didn't get as many minutes as he would in, you know, collegiate basketball. But uh, I've seen a lot of clips of him working out, and he looks great. Uh, and then Tyrell Terry, I mean, uh, you know, he's probably the best playmaker, in the, one of the best playmakers in the class, obviously. You have Lamella Ball, you have Killian Hayes. Um, but he's 6'1", 160, small, but he shot 40% from three. So it's really, uh, you know, you have great options there. But if I had to pick one, it would be Tyrus Maxey. So – I want to ask about R.J. Hampton and Tyrell Terry for a second, but Maxie, you mentioned that he played off the ball at Kentucky, 6'3". Mm-hmm. Does he have lead guard skills? Can he actually run a team? Because the Knicks need somebody who can run a team. I mean, they haven't had a good point guard since before I was born. Right. I mean, that's the question. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can give you a solid answer on that. You know, we, we've seen that happen countless times, but we've also seen people that we think could do that and, and can't. You know, someone like Kobe White, it was it was questioned, and he, he can't. Um, so that's the question. It, it's, it's what they want to do with their roster right now makes the most sense. Um, but a lot of the guys, I mean, Killian Hayes I didn't talk about. He's, he's a great player. He's someone that's dropping a little bit because a lot of people had him in, like, the top five, which I disagreed with. Um, you know, he's someone that's kind of the same. He's a great playmaker, great shooter, great defender. Uh, New York, I really like the eight position. And, you know, it's tough because you're going to pick one when there's so many other players. It's like a fantasy football draft when there's two, the best two players and you want to kind of be second so the other people make the decision for you. And then if the other guy, if it, if it doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. You were supposed to pick him. So those are always great decisions. But New York has the total opposite. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued by RJ Hampton. Mm-hmm. Um, has slid down the board a little bit. You, you see him all over the place. Uh, right. Obviously, you know, playing overseas, I feel like hurt his stock. But he was playing against dudes who, unlike Lamelo Ball, and I listened to a podcast that he was on with Ryan Rosillo, my dude, and like unlike Lamelo Ball, RJ Hampton was playing against guys and they, you know, men. And he wasn't just allowed to do whatever the hell he wanted, right? Like, he actually had to play a structured game. Why isn't R.J. Hampton ranked higher? 
People don't buy the shot. People don't buy the shot. People don't buy the defense. People don't buy the just overall toughness of his game. Um, I might, I disagree with that, but, uh, you know, he needs to hunker down defensively. Um, he needs to just find a way to separate himself from the pack. Like the, all the players we just mentioned, what does he do that separates himself? You know, those top five guys, Lamella Ball, James Wise, and Onyeka, they have something that other game that separates them. Um, and RJ Hampton, you know, you can't just say it's athletic because he is. He can, like I said, he can flat out jump out of the gym. But what can he do that makes su- taking such a pivotal pick like the eighth pick and use it on him? I don't know. I, I If he had showcased his game in the collegiate ranks, mm-hmm. would he be a top five pick? Would he be ranked ahead of Anthony Edwards? Yeah, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a good chance, 100%. Obviously, like you said, he didn't get any consistent minutes in Australia. Um, you know, he wasn't able to find consistency in any, in any real improvement on offense or defense from high school or from other, uh, you know, prep basketball or AAU. You know, you don't really see an improvement in any way. Um, but, you know, he has great potential as a wing scorer. And he, he's somewhat of a capable defender, even though he doesn't really show it. Uh, but he's someone that can come in and produce on the bench. Uh, I don't really see him coming in and producing um, like a team like New York needs right now. Well, then, uh, then it's tough. I don't know. I'm intrigued by him. The other guy is uh, Tyrell Terry. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I've been listening to Bill Simmons too much. Um, and I'm getting influenced by him. I saw that the Knicks may be able to get him with like their second first round pick, but there's a chance for sure. from, from what I've heard based on, you know, Kevin O'Connor, that there's no chance that he's going to drop that, that low because the Celtics would easily take him, uh, with their first round, with their first, uh, first round pick. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about Terry. Uh, right. he's apparently like a great shooter. Like a great shooter, does he does he have real lead ball skills? Can he defend a lick? Like, give me something here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've heard the same stuff as Kevin O'Connor. To be honest with you, I don't think he'll be uh, there by fifteenth. Um, I uh, I think you know, there's there's been people, there's been teams that uh, have told him that if you're there, we'll take you. Um, and he's someone that you know, he shot 41 percent from deep. Um, you know, he, he has one of, he has a close usage rate to what Anthony Edwards had and in Stanford. Uh, you know, he fits a lot of game plans like Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Orlando, teams that like to play, uh, you know, fast-paced. Uh, he's actually, I believe, the top three fastest player in this class. Um, but like I said, he's 6'1". Uh, I'm worried about him being bullied defensively. Um, I'm worried about his... Uh, overall defensive like intensity as a team player um, but you know it's it's someone that if you're looking to increase your pace looking to increase just your offensive usage and efficiency he makes a lot of sense for a team you know 12 through 15. And you think at eight that'd be a stretch? Yes I, I do in my opinion uh, a lot of people don't um, but I don't see him I don't see what he does above Killian Hayes, Kyra Lewis um, Tyrus Halliburton, people like that. What's crazy to me is actually from what I gather this conversation, the Knicks actually have some decent, uh, some decent choices where they are, which yes. is and one thing able, I've been hearing. I've been able to say that for a while. One thing I've been hearing that can give you some hope is apparently they are prepared out of this world for this draft. They're coming with 
all preparedness from oh well, they've only had eight months to figure it out so that True. that makes me feel a lot it better. just sounds like they are hunkered down for this draft well i mean again they've had so much time to do it and i also think that so, that these particular you know this particular group of players has been over scrutinized because we've had nothing else to really oh. talk about so it's so it's kind of crazy so um <laughs> You, you mentioned before you want to, you're very locked into your top 10. So give me the, uh, give me your, your top 10 uh, mock draft and, yep. and where are you getting the, this confidence from? Where, where are you hearing stuff? I mean, you know, I hear it from everywhere. I have a lot of, you know, college sources, guys in the NBA that like to, it's hard to pry stuff out, but it's what I do. I try. <laughs> and this, I try and just is this a Chris Broussard sources type thing where it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not really sure the guy I think, but sources tell me. No, I mean I would say a bulk of this top ten has credible sources to it. Um I would say so, like I said, my top three, Lamello, Wiseman, Unkongu. I know yeah, I know Kongu has basically gotten a promise from Charlotte. Um and I think that Golden State has used – they've been connected to every player. They say they love Denny's, they love Obi, they love Anthony, and all this stuff. Um, but I think it's all been a smokescreen just to take Wiseman. I think they've been on it this whole, whole time. By the way, spe- speaking of Denny for a second, another guy I wouldn't mind the Knicks taking if he was available. It's true. Uh, and then at four, like I said, Anthony Edwards to Chicago. Uh, Chicago's been silent. Um, and, you know, that's just someone I think that at that time – it's just great value, um, and you take him. But I have seen them being connected to Denny as well. Um, at five, you take Obi. Um, you know, Cleveland, it's such an interesting situation. Um, you know, the, Drummond has a $26 million player option this summer. Um, he's obviously he's going to pick take it up. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's not going to find that anywhere else. And apparently, think- apparently the decision is that he's actually going to take it, and they're going to work on a trade for him. Um, yeah, with okay. Him. Sure. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, there's going to be no extension signed. Um, and so at that point, you know, you, you took two guards. You took Colin Sachs and Darius Garland back-to-back in the last, last two years. You need someone that can come in and, you know, work on the offensive end, be someone that has the potential to be a cornerstone player. And Obi makes a lot of sense um, there. Uh, oh. Then at six, what would you say? They're going to need to find the home for Kevin Love, too, so the kid can play. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think his value has dropped substantially since they were going to draft uh, trade him a year and a half ago. But um, Atlanta, uh, same thing. You know, they're they're left with the decision in their in their in their hands. And at that point, you take Denny, or you take the guy that's not there in those three three of Anthony Edwards, Obi Toppin, and Denny. Um, you know, that's the to really round out their roster there. You know, you take Trey Young, you have Kevin Herter, um, and Cam Reddish at that two position. Um, and now you get a three to fit with John Collins and Clint Capella. You know, you really created a starting five of some sorts of young, young players. And hopefully you can do something this year. Detroit, I know that they gave in a promise to Patrick Williams of Florida State. Um, okay. I think that is their selection. Uh, you know, 6'8", 225, um, you know, has a great shot, can space the floor well, defend one through four. Um, he's, you know, just a, an efficient, uh, consistent basketball player. Uh, eight New York there, right now. Wait, did you? No, oh, one second on on Patrick Williams. Is there any fear of a Marvin Williams type situation? Like Marvin Williams, obviously he's not going to go in the top two ahead of Chris Paul, which whatever. 
But, like, <laughs> Marvin Williams didn't start on his uh, UNC team that I think won the title that year. Um, right. And Marvin Williams had a nice long career, but Marvin Williams is nothing special. Patrick Williams has been flying up the board, but he also didn't start on that Florida State team. Obviously, that Florida State team has been excellent over the last couple of years. But is there any fear that you have a Marvin Williams type situation here? I mean, there is tr- there is like belief to it because I mean, Marvin Williams came in as a great shooter. Uh, he's someone that you know, young Marvin Williams isn't isn't a terrible ceiling right now um, or floor. Um, but you know, he's young, he's athletic, he's much more athletic than Marvin Williams was when coming into the uh, 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 NBA. Um, and I think he just, you know, he fits next to Blake Griffin. He fits next to Derrick Rose, players that uh, he can shoot the floor it, well. He can shoot it well enough to, to play a three in the, in the NBA? 100%. I think okay. that is, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he shot the ball well. Um, he has a very high, consistent release that, you know, it's not like he'll have to change anything coming into the league. And I, I, I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense there. Uh, it might be a little high, but, uh, you know, if they see something in him, that they can really work with on their roster, I think that could work. So Patrick uh, Williams has a promise at seven. Okay, so who – That's Knicks a report for sure. Right, eight, okay. Uh, you know, right now I have Halliburton. And it's the same thing with Chicago. It's been silent. I really can't figure anything out. I okay. think there's a chance they trade it. I don't know. Uh, Washington, um, you know, they would have loved to have Onyeko or Wiseman fall down here. Uh, you know, getting a center into that roster would be great for them. You know, they have Bradley Beal. John Wall um, coming back from injury. And I think there you go, Isaac Okoro at Auburn. Great player. Some people have him all the way up to four in Chicago. Um, another person that can shoot the ball well, but, you know, he excels defensively. Um, and he fits right next to uh, Bradley Beal and John Wall. And then 10. Um, I'm fairly confident about this one. It would be Aaron Nesmith of Vanderbilt to Phoenix Suns. Um, Someone that's coming off a torn ACL but has had months and months and months of recovery. Um, with my report, you know, he, he, he's just a gym animal. He's someone that he, he never leaves the gym. He's someone that you can trust that he loves this game. Uh, he shot four – he hit four threes a game at Vanderbilt last year on 46% shooting, someone that could really play make, you know, be a, a four guard. You know, he's 6'6", 213 someone that can, you know, play off the ball and just be a spot-up shooter. And, uh, you know, Phoenix is trying to create a roster of just pure shooters. You know, they did that last year with Cameron Johnson. Um, And that's, you know, that's what I hear. Interesting. I haven't – to be totally honest, I didn't even know that guy's name. So (laughs) – So, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, one last thing before I let you go, obviously, I interrupted your football Sunday. Um, no way. One mid to late round, first rounder, like a sleeper type, who you really like, who you think is going to be underdrafted uh, when it's all said and done. Emmanuel quickly. Uh, someone that is really routinely in the second round. He's in the second round mm. for me. But he's someone that he was the SEC player of the year. Uh, he's the 90th percentile on offense. He shot the ball well. He's a great isolation defender. Uh, you know, he, he has great, you know, <clears throat> creation and stock decision making. You know, he, he's able to get a lot of, um, you know, space on his fadeaways, on, you know, drives. He, he, he shoots the ball well at the paint. Um, and he's someone that if, if someone team like Philly or Charlotte or Sacramento at that beginning of the second round, um, 
I think he can come in and produce very efficiently off the bench. Um, this is a deep cut. That's yeah, a deep so cut. Okay. I like that. And then All no, right. Another one probably end of the first round is Cassius Stanley. Someone that, you know, started off this year, preseason, top five, top 10 guy coming, you know, he had all the expectations in the world coming to Duke, you know, five star has a 46 inch vertical, something absurd like that. Um, and, you know, he's fallen, you know, he didn't shoot the ball well. He didn't do anything really spectacular at Duke, but uh, I think at that, that value now at the end of the first round, you, you do still get a productive athletic player that's, that's going to come in and learn and be just a uh, efficient player. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, a guy like Cassius Winston, um, <laughs> an adult in the room. What do you like about him or what do you not like about him? I mean, you know, like you said, the biggest thing he has going for him is he is a guy, he's a leader. He's a leader of the four years in Michigan state that have clearly had success. He's someone that had a lot of success in Michigan state, but uh, is there a space for a six one one eighty five point guard like that that can't really move, can't really defend well? It doesn't have much lateral quickness. Um, is there a space in the NBA for that? Uh, and a lot of people – From what you just said, so. it sure sounds like no is the answer. Jeez. I don't think so. Uh, right. I think that there's a very good chance he goes undrafted. Um, and I think, you know, he'll find his way to the roster. But I don't know if there's really a space for him in the NBA. Interesting. All right. Well, Mr. Aaron Perlstein, thank you so much for your draft insight. Uh, I'm curious to know – who these sources are, I'd understand you don't want to divulge them here, but I'll ask you in private. I want to see who these sources are. Let's see. Um, let's see how your your mock stacks up to what actually happens uh, Wednesday we'll night. It'll, it'll be interesting. Thanks again for the time, and uh, we'll do this again soon. And uh, I'll check in with you about your Chicago Bulls after the draft. Perfect. Really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Thanks again to my guest, uh, one of my favorite recurring guests, Mr. Aaron Perlstein, talking about the NBA draft. That's episode 93, For the Love of the Game. Take us out, Weezy. Just let it breathe to yeah. Young, young Lula, baby Young Lula, baby Young, young Lula, baby Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.